0: This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. 1250 WGAM Manchester WGHM Nashua
1: Welcome back to the stretch run, and no, you are not in a time machine, preparing to uh, go to a Hartford Whalers game. You are—you're still here in 2016, and yes, he's—he—he he is your president. But we will not get into that. We are here to talk sports here in the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host Jimmy Murphy, Sully working the boards as always, and we welcome on our good friend Chris Price of Weei.com. Chris, how you doing? Good, Murph. How you been, man? I'm good, my friend. I was uh, I was telling Sully here that I was up in Montreal over the weekend, and only in Montreal can you walk down the sidewalk and walk into one of those little touristy, cheesy gift uh, type shops and find a Hartford Whalers jersey. <laughs> only in Montreal. Very nice. Very
2: and, nice. Yeah,
1: and and a, a Zarley Zalapski one at that.
2: I, I was wondering this week. Is he going to be, or is it, is it him or Peter Zezel? Yeah, who's, who's the last guy in the hockey encyclopedia?
1: I <laughs> think it's Zarley, because a double Z, you know. It's true. Yeah, what a name, huh? <laughs> I mean that that had to be fun in school, you know, or your first date or whatever. But um, we're going to talk some page. Well, first, how's the the project coming along? All right. Yeah,
2: it is. It, we're we're finishing up the outline now, and we're we're working on a, a really some, some different looking options. It's the history of the Whalers. And, but the really cool thing is that, and, and we've talked about this before, but the really cool thing is the fact that no one has ever done one of these before. A full-on history of the franchise. you know? And it's just, I, I'm having a lot of fun finding all these old stories, all this old background, you know, all the, the just kind of the, the complete
1: history of this team. It's, it's really amazing. I'm surprised nobody's done that, but good on you to do so. Uh, let's look at the Patriots right now in a uh, roster decision looming on uh, Saturday regarding Dion Lewis, huh?
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with Dion because um, it's my understanding now that he could come back, but you don't want to kind of you know, you, want to, you, know, you want to practice patience with him. I think at this stage of the season, because I think James Floyd has done well as well as could be expected, but I think you know that you, know, you want to hold back on him. Given given a specific, you want to hold back on on Lewis because uh, the injury history there, the fact that he's been banged up a little bit, the fact that you kind of pump the brakes. You know, this is a guy that they need for the postie, and it'd be nice to have him there now. It would, you know, he'd, he'd be a huge impact player, I think, you know, uh, w- within the next couple of weeks, but this is a guy, you know, they want for the long term. So, my take on this is they activate him, but his first real opportunity for significant snaps comes next week against the Niners, as opposed to this weekend against the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, and I, I think, though, the one thing is you do, you want to get him back, too, to get him into game mode, right? Because just because yeah. he comes back, you don't want it being right up against the playoffs where he's thrown into action and he's, you know, half a season in terms of uh, being ready for a game behind his teammates and the rest of the league. So I, I think it's good to get him going again and get him some real game action. But I'm with I'm with you. you got to filter him in. You cannot just rush this uh, because he's had some injuries that if he re-aggravates the injuries he's had, I mean, that could be potentially, you know, ruining his career. I mean, he's had some yeah, really tough is, injuries there. so
2: It really could. And, and I think that they have a series of games after the Seattle game. They're, you know, they're, they're on the road against San Francisco. They're on the road against the Jets. They're home against the Rams. I think that's a really good opportunity for them to kind of ease them back into it. The other thing, too, that's important to remember is um, starting with the Niners and then toward the end of the year with the Dolphins and the Broncos, they're facing three teams who have absolutely abysmal run defense. Mm-hmm. And so I think to your point, to kind of get them ramped up and really get them ready for the postseason I think those are going to be some good opportunities for yeah. him to get some quality reps against relatively, and I'll say that, you know, I'll stress that, relatively easier opponents.
1: I agree with you there. Hey, uh, so heading into this week, I, did you put down or you and the fellow Patriot Media members an over-under of how many times the Malcolm Butler interception or, would be either played or referenced? because <laughs> I, cause I yeah. it has to be somewhere around two hundred I think this year. Yeah, week.
2: yeah. in and, and, and God bless him yesterday because he stood there um in front of his locker and answered pretty much the same variety of <laughs> you know that question fourteen or fifteen thousand different times. It was basically like remember the old Chris Farley show? Yeah. Where, you know, the, every question was pretty much, hey, remember that time in the Super Bowl when he, went, you know, he intercepted? That was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, did a, he did a great job with that. So he so, did yeah, not give it, the it,
1: Bill Belichick uh, response. He didn't just say it once and then, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle.
2: He Yeah, he was actually a little bit expansive. Uh, c- compared to the coach. Good sport. So, yeah, and look, you know, like I said, you know, he, I think he handled it all really, really well. Yesterday was his day to talk, and he answered, like I said, every single question about it. And he, he said the right thing. You know, he said, you know, it was a great moment at that time, but you know, it's not going to have any impact on this game. I, I think Russell Wilson and the the Seahawks have fundamentally said the same thing. So, yeah, it, it is. It's it's a it's a great memory for for Butler and for a Patriots fan. But I think at the same time, too, like I said, you know, it's not going to have much of an impact. Come Sunday night.
1: But j- quickly before we leave that, though, did he, did he talk to you a bit about how, like, a moment like that, being reminded of it, you know, coming up against the team again now, it, does it make him reflect on how far he's come as a player? Because well, let, let's wait. not forget where he was then and where he is now and the fact that he didn't let himself just be some one-hit wonder. He actually has developed tremendously, in my opinion, uh, as one of the premier defensive players in the league.
2: Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways, Murph, he has made his way. I I did a top five most important Patriots at the start of the year, and and I'd I'd have to go back and double-check on it, but I think he's in the top five for a couple of reasons, not the least of which he continues to play the same way. He continues to play like every single snap in the National Football League is going to be his last. Like rent and food are on the line every time he goes out there. I've never seen a guy, I've covered the team since 2001, I have never seen a guy who has the snap-to-snap, intensity level, every single time out there that Malcolm Butler He gets everything out of every single snap. He's never cheated. He's always fighting. He's never out of a play. And, and, you know, like I said, I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that he remembers where he came from. He remembers Mm -hmm. how tenuous his roster position was back in the early days of 2014. He continues to fight. He continues to scrap. And it's really served him well throughout his career.
1: And is that is that just something you think that's instilled in him and his upbringing, or something he learned along the way from coaches or fellow teammates?
2: Yeah, I think he's never comfortable. I've heard him use that phrase before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of—I don't know if I call it insecurity—but there's a little bit of a feeling that look, nothing is promised to you. And and I think he's savvy enough to understand that. When it comes to something like that, you know, he can't rely on, I mean, you know, he's not, he's not Deion Sanders, but yeah. it that way, I mean, he can't rely on his physical gift. He has to rely on his desire and his determination and his heart. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, overdosing on intangibles here. You know, that's no, not but, to say he's not, you know, that's not to say he, he doesn't have terrific intangibles and, you know, he doesn't have terrific technique and footwork and all that, but, but he knows that he, has to go the extra yard sometimes because he is not a classical cornerback in the truest sense of the word, and that you know he can get away with kind of taking a play off here or there. You he know, yeah. he cannot do that. I think some of that's just playing in New England too, but I think also, like you said, a, a lot of it is who he is.
1: He's like a, a football version of Marty St. Louis. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah. I, I think that's a great analogy. I do. I think that's a great analogy because he, he just there, there's never again there's never a comfort level with him. There's yeah. never a feeling of, oh, okay, I made it. I can kind of take a couple plays off here or there. He knows every single week he's going to be going out there and he's going to get the opposition's best and he's going to rise to the
1: occasion. Let's speak on, you know, keep this comfort level theme going here. And that that goes with the team right now, too. I mean, you look at this team and what they had to go through in the four, first four weeks without Brady, and then he comes back and he just rips it up, as you know, as he always does. And yet, you never see them really... Have sort of this sense of not this entitlement would be a, isn't the word I'm looking for, but this sort of this sense of we know we're we're great, we know we're going to come in here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's amazing to me. I mean, I know we talk about it all the time, Chris, but it's amazing to me. I guess you know I had a conversation with somebody up in Montreal who's a, a fan of. Uh, the Seahawks, and he was just saying, he's like, I I don't get that team. It never gets to their, their head. I mean, and yeah, I know they have a great coach and everything, but still, it's it's this culture they have where they don't, their heads don't blow up, and and they don't, they have cockiness, but they don't have cockiness. Do you get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: yeah, I do, I do, and, and it's really interesting because they they don't, to your point, it, it, inevitably every single year they lose at least one game. you think they're gonna win? Mm-hmm. You know, whether, whether it was the Buffalo game earlier this year or Philly, you know, last year. But, you know, from from wire to wire, they're pretty consistent. And, yeah. and I think that, that that starts at the top. And, you know, we talked about never feeling complacent or comfortable or entitled with your position. You talk to guys who come to the Patriots after playing in other places, and it sounds corny and it sounds cliched, but they all pretty much say the same thing, that, look, it's just different. Mm-hmm. You know, every single play is run over and over again until it's perfect. Uh, you know, Ocho Cinco had that, I think he was on Undisputed a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the moment where he knew things were different in New England when, when Belichick ripped Brady a new one in a, in a meeting, and everyone kind of turned to each other and were like, you know, if he can rip him, you know, a guy who's won MVPs, and has got four <laughs> Super Bowl rings. I, I could very easily be that next guy. So, you know, it's it's just a culture. Them it is, and it's a, it's an overused phrase, and in, in it it's almost cliche at this point. But you know that's the way they do business, and it's worked for them for an extended amount of years. In most of it, not all of it, but most of it comes down from the top in the form of the coach and the quarterback.
1: I hear you, and, and you know, speaking of cultures, I heard uh, Bill Belichick on his Monday visit on your station Wei talking about Seattle and specifically praising uh, Pete Carroll. I'm not sure if you heard the clips, but. I just was you know to me they 're so opposite personalities and so completely opposite ends of the spectrum there and and to hear Belichick speak about him and the Seattle franchise the way he did, and I know he does this for every team he plays, but there was there was something different about the tone of his voice and the things he was saying that you can tell it was a, it seemed a little more sincere than the usual you know i 'm going to sit here and say all the right things it was It was more insightful and I guess just your take on the respect maybe he has for this team that's coming in there to play them.
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of times we'll hear Bill at the start of the week kind of pump up an opposing team with kind of empty platitudes, frankly, right. you know, and, and, he's, and he's always searching for things. I remember you know, a few years ago when the Bills were lousy, he would come in and you know, <laughs> go on and on about the Bills special teams and, the, you know, the punting and, and you, just, you just kind of roll your well, eyes. Oh, they've got and, great know, hot like,
1: dogs up there, you know? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we, we all kind of, you know,
2: we all understand what he's doing. It's, yeah. it's the, you know, the little holds routine. But, but I agree with you. I, I think that there is a genuine level of appreciation and respect that he has for the Seattle franchise and, and by extension, Pete Carroll. I think that you can't deny what Pete's done. You know, I, I think that he was kind of a convenient punchline around here for for a few years. But he really realized, and he talked about it with us in the conference call yesterday, how to kind of turn things around. He goes to USC, he wins the national championship. Now you can, you know, speculate how he went about acquiring <laughs> the players needed to to win that wow. national championship. But it's still in the books. And then you know, he goes to Seattle and he wins a the championship there. There's only three guys. This is the. This is really for me the bottom line stat when you talk about Pete Carroll and how far he's come. There are only three guys out there who have won a title as a college coach and a professional coach in football.
1: Who are the other it's two? Barry,
2: Barry Switzer and Jimmy Johnson. Wow. You know, and you can question Switzer because that was fundamentally Jimmy Johnson's team that he won with a couple of years after. But, you know, I mean, that that's it for me right there. He's had success in college. He's had success in the pros. He's been able to build... You know, uh, uh, he's been able to build something truly great in Seattle uh, mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball and have success over an extended period of time. So, look, he, he wasn't everyone's cup of tea around here when he was here, and, and quite frankly, I you know, I, I, I don't, I blame him because he wasn't a fully formed coach at that point, a pro coach, right? At that point in his career, anyway. But he had a tremendous amount of success. He can't take that away from him, and I think Bill recognized that.
1: You bring up, obviously, the two Cowboy coaches there, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer. And that was going to be my, uh, my final question to you. Just your thoughts on that team this year. We were just talking about them a bit earlier with Mario Magola from Sportfolio.com. And, and you know, this they are complete. I mean, I, I would say next to the Patriots right now, the way they're going, I mean, maybe not on paper and maybe not in the big picture, but in the immediate present time right now, they're probably the most complete team to me other than the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I think that, and, and I, I said this to someone the other day when you're talking about, it's not so much sides of the ball, but like positional groupings. Right. There's three that stand out above everyone else for me in no particular order. It's the Cowboys running game, the Denver defense. And granted, look, they laid an egg against the Raiders, but I, I, you know, because Tlaib and a couple other guys weren't there, but I still believe that they're really, really great. They're one of the best defenses, they're not the best defense in the league. And then the Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. And so, when you talk about the Dallas running game, what they're able to do, Eli's such a tremendous runner. He's such a great running back, and I think we're kind of circling back into a great era of you know an era of really talented young running backs. And then offensive line and Dak Prescott isn't making mistakes. You yep. know, he's either he's a smart, consistent, steady young man under center. That's a really good group. And and if they can continue to play good complementary football. There's every reason to suggest that they're going to be there at the end now. The only I'm of the opinion that the, you know, really right now the only guy who can screw up the Cowboys is Jerry Jones. Yeah. We're not talking <laughs> I'm about right a functional with you. franchise. Here. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking about a functional franchise here. And, and so the idea of you know Yank and Dak Prescott out and plugging plug in Why and is Romo that even yet. an
1: idea still?
2: I know. I know. But, I exactly. But again, we're coming at it from a common sense perspective and I think that's the problem. So Yeah. Well, yeah, and, I I go ahead.
1: And I, I think though, you know, as I say that though, I'm like, Well, it was kind of an idea with Bledsoe back when Brady first came in, even despite Brady being so great. There there were some people who were adamant that Bledsoe should go back in, remember?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Thank and God it wasn't the Patriots. See, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd be fascinated to see really you go from guy to guy in the locker room. If there's the possibility of something happening when it comes to Locker room chemistry, the dynamic between Prescott, Romo, you know, if I'm, I don't know, Jason Witten or Des Bryant or you know, if, how do I feel about the potential, you know, of a, of a quarterback change? and going back to the veteran as opposed to the kid. I, look, I would just keep if I'm the if I'm the Cowboys, I just keep riding the hot hand right now. That's going to be the biggest question mark right now in the NFC.
1: And, and they can, and they have something there too, whether Jerry Jones sees it or not. That they, they can build on. This isn't just you know a one-hit wonder thing, like you said. They've yep. had Elliott. I mean, he's only in his first year in Prescott, too, and they've got a great offensive line. They've got some good young players. I mean, if they're, if they're allowed to continue to build and ownership doesn't interfere, they can start to be one of those perennial contenders. And yeah. I think it would yeah. be good if for football for, for them of. to do that, for the NFL. I oh, think the look, NFL needs look,
2: it. Look, yeah, exactly, man. You know, the, Regardless of what you think of them, the NFL is better when the Cowboys and the Raiders are relevant. Yeah. And, and I think that we're starting to see that now in the second half. And I think that's going to be one of the things. That I don't want to go down a whole long laundry list here, but I think that's going to be one of the things that's going to be a cause for TV ratings to pick up in the second half. Some of these classic franchises yep. are going to return to relevance and they are going to pull some casual fans back into the tent that might not have been there before at the start of the year.
1: For sure, my friend. Listen, we appreciate you coming on, Chris. I look forward to listening to you and my uh, my old co-host, Shep, on uh, Sunday, all right?
2: Sounds good, my friend. We'll talk very, very soon.
1: All right. That is Chris Price of WEEI.com joining me here on the stretcher on ESPN New Hampshire. Next segment, we're going to switch gears. Unfortunately, it won't be as much positive talk as we're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and what the heck has gone wrong with them off the bat besides injuries. Yes, that's playing a role. There's no doubt in that. But listen, Green Team fans, I mean, let's be real. Their brains are not in the right place right now, so Talent. we're going to talk. Yeah. Talent, period. Yeah. I got it, but their brains aren't there either. Right that now. too, yeah. I mean, there's something There's something missing that made everybody so high in them. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. sort of gutsy, their, uh, the, scrappy last, feel. Last year they
3: played above their head. They had, they had no expectations, yeah. and, they, and they just played above their head. And they had a great year. But now they you know what expert, they need to do. Now they they have ex, need, they they need have ex, to keep that yeah.
1: Malcolm Butler man, uh, Mental, mindset. Yeah, they they're have, not in a position like, like with LeBron now. James or yeah. Yeah, they need to forget the clippings and act like every day is their last, and they might be cut if they don't. So that's how they have to approach it. We'll uh, we'll talk to Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston, ESPN, when we get back here on the stretch run.
0: listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com.
4: I am speaking with Patrick Gillis, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month of October from Exeter High School. Patrick, how are you? Good, how are you, Laura? So, tell me a little
1: about your experience at Exeter High. You played football mm-hmm. four years there.
4: So, it's been a really good experience both well, academically and uh, with sports. Like We have... I would say one of the best football programs in the state I and mean, constantly making playoffs year after year. And then academically, I've had like multiple options with um, pursuing kind of like the interests I have. So I've had uh, lots of different science classes and I'm looking to go into engineering in the future. So I've been able to go over to the Seacoast School of Technology and take engineering classes over there.
1: Nice. Where are you looking to go to college?
4: I've applied to some local schools and then some farther ones too. I'd say probably my first choice would be George Tech I've also applied to UNH and Clemson and um, some other local schools that are specialize in engineering. How do you maintain a GPA of 4.92 and also maintain football and National Honor Society, National Honor Technical Society, class treasurer, uh, co-president of Students Against Bullying? Like, how do you maintain all these things? Pretty much every morning and early mornings having a meeting before class. And there's a lot of support from, like, my family and the teachers, too, that just strive to do well.
0: Son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com.
1: Hi, my name is Jen Kaludi. My husband, Sal, and I are the owners of Embroid Me in Nashua and Embroid Me of Bedford in New Hampshire. We help companies and organizations promote themselves through embroidered apparel, screen-printed shirts, promotional products, personalized gifts, and much more. I invite you to come visit our showrooms, conveniently located at 345 Amherst Street in Nashua and our Bedford showroom at 410 South River Road. You can also visit our websites at EmbroidMe-Nashua.com or EmbroidMe-Bedford.com. My team and I look forward to helping you promote your business. Embroid Me, your promotional marketing partner.
0: Here's what you missed last week on the Fantasy Champion Show, presented by North End Subaru and Mazda. Tristan Cockcroft of
5: ESPN.com is our guest. At
4: quarterback, for example, he's got the Browns, giving up a whole lot of fantasy points lately, but they're actually not the top matchup for quarterbacks because if you take- of opponent, it kind of brings them back down to a top 10 matchup, but not, not the top one.
5: So it's another one of your
0: mathematical schemes, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Get your football Sunday started the right way, with the Fantasy Champion Show, Sundays at 10, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio.
5: Let your search for Mazda and Subaru dealers begin and end with North End Subaru Mazda. Only 20 miles from Nashua, North End Mazda in Lunenburg has the best deals in the area. With Mazda 3s and Subaru Forester, both leaders in their class and a giant pre-owned inventory. To look at their weekly specials, give them a call at 888-805-1469 today. They're just a click away at BuyNorthEndMazda.com.
3: In southern New Hampshire, there's only one choice when it comes to the best in orthopedic care. New Hampshire Orthopedic Center has been providing award-winning treatment for all orthopedic conditions for over 40 years. Chances are one of our physicians has helped someone you know get back in motion. Voted best orthopedic office by union leader three years running. Voted top doctors 30 times by peers in New Hampshire magazine.
1: Tell your primary care physician you'd like to see a specialist at New Hampshire Orthopedic Center. We keep bodies in motion. Visit nhoc.com for more information.
5: Beals Insurance Agency is proud to announce the opening of their new Londonderry office. Located on Route 102, Beals Insurance is committed to serving Londonderry, Hudson, Wyndham, and Litchfield while offering the best price and quality coverage that's right for you. Whether it's home, auto, or business insurance, make the right call with Beals Insurance Agency. Call Steve at 603-471-9999 or visit BealsInsurance.com.
0: Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic a shot. Down in front, picked up by Crosby. Lobbed down the ice. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to Jacobs. Three for the win. It's good. Steps back, puts up a three. Won't go. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. We've got it all here. This is ESPN New Hampshire. For ESPN New Hampshire apparel, go to ESPNNHradio.com and click on the Pro Shop.
1: Stretch here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan doing a great job, as always, on the boards. In the Wizards. Not the Wizards, as Ozzy's saying about. They played some tricks with the uh, Boston Celtics last night. But then again, uh, as we see our good friend Chris Forsberg writing, and as Isaiah Thomas uh, told reporters... In Washington, it's more right now, I think the Celtics uh, may have played some mind tricks of their own or fallen into some. And on to talk about that right now is Chris Forsberg of ESPN. Chris, how you doing, my friend? It's now, Murph. How are you? Not bad at all. Now listen, I am not by any account discarding the effect of the injuries the Celtics have gone through early on in this season right now. I mean, there's no doubt that affects them right now to have Crowder and Horford out. Now I'm seeing Horford will not play Friday that's affecting them, plain and simple. And it it hurts their game, and it's less talent on the floor, it's less leadership, what have you. But in general, and I I said this after the Brooklyn game to our, our resident Celtics guy here, Patrick Gilroy, that Brooklyn game, that season opener, and the way they let go of that lead, and I understand maybe Stevens put the bench in a little too early, but still, there was sort of this, to me, this mentality that the Celtics felt a bit entitled to that win and they they read their clippings too much and i think we're seeing that right now am i wrong to say that
4: no no i I think there's certainly something to be said for the fact that you know there's a lot of hype around this team being the second best team in the east and being able to push the cavaliers and could they have the number one defense in the league and well you know here we are seven games in and and and, you know none of that has, has lived up to anything that that was projected and and part of that, I think, is, is just what you said. The, the Celtics, I don't think they got overly confident. You know, that Nets game, like you said, they roll on the bench. They let, a, they let that move mm-hmm. get away. It just didn't set a good tone for the season. They, they played really well right. at the start of, the, to get, of that game, and then to let it get away hurt. Uh, but especially the last couple nights. And, you know, I, I, I'll give them a, a sliver of a free pass because they haven't had their horses, and not having Horford and, 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 and not having Crowder certainly hurts. But it's still inexcusable to go out last night after you got embarrassed on Sunday on your home turf and just lay an egg against a Wizards team that was 1-5 and you knew they were going to be a little bit desperate.
1: The
6: start
4: of that game was just really embarrassing for the Celtics and, and not a good sign for the way that they they feel they need to respond at this point of the season.
1: Well, I'll I'll put it this way, and I, I got a, a couple friends in the uh, the gambling business, so to speak, and uh, I saw a couple of their tweets last night heading into the Celtics game, and they're like, "Pound the over heavy, pound the over heavy." The Celtics defense is a mess. Now, coming into this season, you would have never thought you'd you'd see something like that. I mean. And, you know, I see our, uh, Isaiah Thomas telling reporters, and I think this is a great quote. I'm going to read it now. He says, it's frustrating. It's tough. We're in a bad funk right now. We can't hold our heads. One thing I think is we're not the hardest playing team no more. I think that's what made us special, and that's what made us good. Us playing harder than the other team, being more scrappier, getting the loose balls. Rebounds don't come to us no more because we're not playing hard. And that's it. like what you're saying right now. And, you know, I just think it – It filters back to, yeah, maybe it got to them a bit, and they thought maybe, I'm not going to say they thought they were better than they were, I agree with you there, but at the same time, they forgot what got them to this point where people are all excited about them. That's what it feels like to me.
4: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, it's funny because a a lot of my friends are are texting and saying, man, this team can't rebound, they got to trade for a rebounder, and, you know, the bench stinks, they need to upgrade their bench. And and yeah, those are like valid concerns. But to me, it, it's just like you said; it's it's more of an identity crisis at this point. Like they don't remember what got them to this point. Yeah, and that's it's a little odd to see because you got a young team who wants to be good, who wants to to be that number two team in the East. You feel like they should come out and sort of want to prove that they belong in that spot. Instead, they've sort of lost sight of that underdog mentality. And so I don't know, maybe. You never want to say this is a good thing. Uh, certainly putting themselves in a, in a little bit of a difficult bind here with a lot of road games early in the year to fight out of. You know, I, 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 I'm, it, it, I, I would have thought last night you'd see the response. I guess now I'm, I'm even more interested to see. The, the schedule here the next couple of games is pretty light, and that probably included last night with the Wizards. But you know, the Knicks have not been playing well. They visit tomorrow night. Then you go to India, a team that's been struggling more than people thought. New Orleans I'm not sure they've even won a game, so there's a chance to get feeling good about yourself again, but even if that happens, it's like you got to go out and, and 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 show it on the court. You have to yep. give people a reason to believe that you know you can get to the level that was expected um I don't want to say this is the the biggest challenge Brad Stevens has faced or anything like that, but you know, this is, this is a little bit of a, a rough patch that we didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how he gets his team back on track.
1: Great segue there. I was just going to ask you about what you think of his response so far and what you think is coming. And on that note, you know, in hockey, when a team goes through a phase like this, you'll usually see what they call a bag skate, and they just they throw the equipment away. And, you know, you saw the famous scene in uh, the movie Miracle with Herb Brooks when he kept them after the game, and they're going end-to-end sprints until they fall. What do they do in basketball and have you seen a bit of that uh was there any of that in practice today where you could see the coach sending a message?
4: you know it's funny they they didn't go through any live drills today. they just kind of did a walk there you go and now so this is sort of like what Brad does, and his not too high, not too low mantra is he's not the type that's gonna do one of those just run <laughs> them like crazy. <laughs> But, you know, what he's going to do is is kill them with boredom, which is almost worse, right? Like, yeah. At least, you know, you go out there and you run and you run and you run and you feel bad about yourself, but you probably beat yourself up, and the next time you go out, you've got no legs. Yeah. Brad's more like, we're going to sit here, and we're going to watch every bad defensive clip for the next hour, <laughs> and you guys are going to you know sit on your hands and be upset and get sick of me telling you what you did wrong, but he'll do it in a calm fashion. And I don't know, we'll see how they respond to that, because they did that after the Denver game, and it didn't work. So... Uh, I don't think Brad's ready to totally flip his style yet, but at some point he's going to lose his mind. Yeah. You know, because if you can't get your guys motivated, it's just natural. Uh, you're going to get angry. You're going to have to find a different way to get them motivated. I thought it was, it, you know, the, the practice today, I thought it was sort of this, like, there was a calm about the team. You would have think there wasn't as much panic as as you necessarily in the fan base. And I guess that's pretty typical, but uh, there is a sense of urgency and a sense that, uh, what we've seen isn't acceptable to this point. Um, I, I, the first five minutes will tell us, like we just like it did last night. You, you, you knew early on that the Celtics didn't have it last night. Uh, if they don't have it in the first five minutes tomorrow, that's that's a, a then 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 you could see some uh, some different style coaching from Brad Stevens.
1: I love that quote I read by Isaiah Thomas. I love that. I love him calling himself and the, and the teammates out. Um, is there another guy? that we could hear from soon if things don't turn around. And, and is, is there someone in this team that's, that's known to do that?
4: Well, it would be Crowder. Crowder's probably the most outspoken. You know, Isaiah is sort of as close to a captain as you got because he's that sort of the guy that got him to this point and picked mm-hmm. the team up and brought it to another level. But Crowder's sort of the vocal guy, the the, the one who's not afraid to call guys out. Um, you know, I think back when he first got here, he got traded from Dallas in that Rondo trade. The Celtics really were still a 500 team at that point. Right. They're going through a practice right after he got there. And, and you know, the the notion was that the Celtics were just going to tank that year because the draft picks would be better than anything they could accomplish as a team because they just weren't good enough. And Crowder actually went to Stevens and was like, you know, what the expletive are we doing here? Are you okay with tanking? <laughs> and Brad was very taken aback and was like, no, no, man, I want to win. And then since that point, they've sort of been on the same page, like, okay, you know, this isn't acceptable to to just lose games. So I think Crowder, he's injured right now. He should be back next week. If this funk continues through the weekend, you could see him sort of taping himself up next Wednesday and being like, all right, here we go. I'm I'm, I'm back. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm sure he's in their ears in the locker room right now, and, uh, you know, Horford's going through this concussion thing, and he's just not a very vocal guy as it is, so I don't know exactly how his leadership is translating right now. Mm. Uh, I think it really comes down to Crowder and and, and, uh, and Thomas sort of stepping up and, and being the vocal guys on this team.
1: Is that, and you know better than me, and I, I just noticed in general in sports, it, it's kind of dwindled in, in the sports culture where you have teammates calling out other teammates or you have teammates stepping up and, you know, really calling the team out to the media, it's usually kept in-house. And part of me respects that, but I think there is a time and a place when it needs to be done. Is that a dying thing in the NBA, or is it still prevalent?
4: Uh, it depends on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I can certainly say that when the, the you know, the, I was fortunate to be here for the tail end of that big three era, yep. and you definitely got the sense that when things went wrong, you, you, Kevin, if Kevin Garnett comes out and yells at everybody, everyone's going to listen. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more difficult with the Celtics just because they're a younger team right now and they sort of the roles and leaderships are, are still being defined. But I, I do think it's it's prevalent. You, you know, I, I, you always hear about teams having closed doors, meetings. Uh, different teams go about it different ways, whether it's the coach that yells or whether it's the players who huddle and figure things out. Um you know, the one thing is, that I'll say is that, again, the Celtics haven't had a, to have a lot of those closed-door meetings. Yeah. The last two seasons have sort of been, hey, the happy-go-lucky overachiever. You know, we all talked about how much there's expectations and how much that changes things this season. Uh, it, 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 it's very interesting to me to see how they respond to this, because you knew it was going to happen at some point. Right. You're not going to go through a season without a rough patch. And so the fact that it came earlier than expected is discouraging. But, but the, I think what you, you know, said
1: earlier it might be a blessing in disguise. Right,
4: and, and and so I guess the other positive you can pluck from this is there's a lot of younger guys, especially as they're navigating injuries or getting tossed in here. Jalen Brown probably didn't expect to be starting games mm-hmm. in, in, in his, at 19 years old, and uh, you know you're getting a chance to bring these guys along. Now they're they're enduring some growing pains at the same time, uh, but you know you, you you maybe we'll look back in April and this will be a good thing. At least that's how the Celtics going to frame this. Uh, that being said they've got to fix their rebounding they've got to get back to being a defensive team and they're just got to change their attitude in general to yeah, get,
1: get back to basics and, and play some ball you know we had, we had Chris Price on talking about the Patriots in the segment before you and I asked him about Malcolm Butler and how far he's come since that play and he didn't let that play define his career he's become even better since in the Super Bowl of course and he said you know what that guy comes into every game like it's his last and he could be a superstar and he's still going to do that and you know, maybe that's a little of the approach uh, some of these guys gonna take with the Celtics right now. Like, you know, like we said earlier, go back to what got you here. Don't forget that. Don't forget your roots.
4: I, and that's absolutely the way you think that a guy like Isaiah Thomas, who has been that underdog, that Malcolm Butler type, his whole career, no one thought he should be. You know, he's the 60th pick, and he wants to be an All Star. He gets that last year. He wants to be All NBA. Wants to be an MVP. You know, he's he's supremely motivated. To take that next step, and which is why, again, I go back to—I it. I think he's the one guy who's going to be like, yeah. "Hey, this isn't acceptable. We need to get get them moving." I think they all know it, you know. It it it, it it's it, well as baffling as it was last night. It it just it, it's improbable it for happens. me to think, that, Yeah, you know, it, it, it happens. It happens now. If it becomes a pattern, then you then you freak out. Then you know, next week we can sit here and say, "Okay, Danny Ainge, what trade is he making to really shake yeah. things up?" <laughs> uh, But, you know what, uh, it's not to that point yet, and, uh, I mean, we could see some starting lineup tweaks or minor things, but uh, let's let's not slam the panic buttons quite yet.
1: No, you're right. Listen, Chris, always a pleasure, my friend. Keep up the good work at ESPN Boston, ESPN, and uh, we will have you on again down the line. All right, Murph. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot, my man. Chris Forsberg joining us here from ESPN Boston and ESPN.com. And uh, we'll go back. We're going to – we've we got a research in a break about Jamison Winston there, buddy. I forgot to do it. So we'll do that in a break. We'll go back. We'll talk a little more NFL picks here. Anything you want as well we can talk about. So give us a call. we got an open segment coming up. 603-883-9900. 603-883-9900. Here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Now, now I'm off the backboard I go fake to loud. Chain like
6: Mike, it's yeah, 360 degrees in the air, as i Mike. I could pass like magic, yeah.
1: I could show like a bird. Built up a Dr. J Duck that course our trucks. That good lord, they show their hopes. Yeah, 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 they
0: to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones. Only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio.
5: How would you like your office to be located in the heart of downtown Manchester? The former Ted Hebert's building at 922 Elm Street is ready to house your business. With over 28,000 square feet available, the time is right for your business to maximize this rare opportunity. Again, there is now office space available at 922 Elm Street, the old Ted Hebert's building, but it won't last long. Contact Tom Finney at 603-647-6800 or visit loopnet.com.
3: Hey Chelsea, guess what? I found out my friend at school is going to be moving into a new house. Oh, really? That's cool. Where is she moving to? They don't know yet. They're still looking. Do you think they'll ever be able to find a house? Oh, sure. Especially if they go to see Daddy at
0: Pinnacle Mortgage. Right, Isabel? That's right, Chelsea. They'll get low rates, great service, and many options to choose from. You see, Pinnacle Mortgage offers FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, and New Hampshire housing first-time buyers programs. Right, Owen? That's right. So, Maddie, you
3: should tell your friend's parents to go see dad and the staff at pinnacle mortgage
5: pinnacle mortgage call 603 518 7900 pinnacle mortgage 65 market street manchester and online at pinnacle mtg corp.com pinnacle mortgage nmls number 1323739 licensed by the new Hampshire banking department connecticut mortgage broker license number mb 1323739 main loan broker license number 1323739 Kurt transon nmls number 22202 equal housing opportunity pinnacle mtg corp.com
6: Do you have a flooring project in mind? Then let the experts at Divine Flooring partner with you to get the job done. Divine Flooring is committed to providing their customers with the best advice and products at the best prices. From carpet to hardwood to tile and stone, Divine Flooring will help you obtain a beautiful
5: new floor that will last a lifetime. Plus, they have a huge selection of area rugs in stock at all times. Come experience the Divine difference. You'll be floored. Located right on Route 101 in Wilton. Call 603-654-5400 or visit DivineFlooring.com.
4: Ace is a place with the helpful hardware folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace.
5: I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, Craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is
1: a place with exactly what you need, starting
5: with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. Saturday night, Bud Light, ESPN New Hampshire, and Metro PCS present UFC 205 featuring Conor McGregor at Chunky's in Nashua. Don't spend big money on pay-per-view. It's just 15 bucks to watch the UFC on the giant movie screen at Chunky's, and you get a $5 food voucher. There'll be lots of prizes and giveaways from Bud Light, ESPN New Hampshire, and Metro PCS. UFC 205 featuring Conor McGregor, Saturday night at Chunky's, Nashua. Doors open at 9. Tickets on sale now at Chunky's.com. ADT presents what to consider when considering home security. An ADT sign is more than a sign. It's a line in the sand. On one side, your family. On the other, an uncertain world. For over 140 years, more people have chosen ADT to help prevent crime than anyone else. Get ADT starting at just $28.99 a month. Tested. Trusted. Proven. ADT. With 36-month contract for licensing and terms and conditions, visit ADT.com. Bedford's going to hang on and the Bulldogs celebrate in mass. This weekend's Division I semi-final matchup between Bedford and Merrimack is the most anticipated rematch of the season. We want to play Bedford, but to be honest, it doesn't matter who we play. It's just one more stepping stone to get to the ship. Yay. Will Bedford maintain their undefeated status and march on to UNH? Or will Merrimack survive and earn the right to play for a championship? Our Friday Night Lights Game of the Week, presented by the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Centers, begins Saturday at noon, only on ESPN New Hampshire, sponsored in part by Nashua Marine.
0: Join the conversation at 603 883
6: 9900. Sugarfoot called me last night. He said his girl called him. She said, Can I come over? She said, Yeah. Yeah.
1: And welcome back to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host, Justin Sullivan, working the boards. It's a Black Joe Lewis. I played him a couple times I think before. He's from uh, Austin, Texas. I know you love like your this. horns, man. Oh yeah, yeah. A very awesome, entertaining band. This Lots of it. instruments going on there. Oh, love this. I'm yeah, going. Man. I'm
3: actually going this weekend. Going to Rhode Island again to see. The average white band opened up for Tower Power, two of the best best funk groups, and oh, they nice, together. Man. On yeah, I've heard of them. I'm like, oh, like, I'm, that's gonna I'm be fun. He- I'm in heaven. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited. It's Saturday night, sweet, yeah. sweet, enjoy. That's I good. Yeah, this.
1: actually met him up in Montreal too. That's another Montreal, nice. but he's from Austin, Texas. It was yeah. random. He was he was opening up for um, oh, what the heck was the name of them? They're old punk group from the '70s, New York Dolls. Nice. And uh, he stole the show. He was actually better than them. They were completely washed up, and they nice. stunk, and, and he was better. And this was back in 2009, and then him and I uh, hung out after the show and uh, found some other shows to go to that night and ripped up the town. Nice. It's good stuff. Uh, by the way, I did see Shane Murphy while I was up there. Yes. Yep, it was I good. Played, I played him for you on uh, I noticed. Coming. I noticed. Yep. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good. He was, uh, he was not playing in any of that stuff I usually play for you, any of his tunes, really. It was, it was straight blues. Really? Just doing a lot of muddy waters, buddy guy, yeah, yeah. and just he was just jamming, man. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. I haven't seen that. It like that, yeah. But he had just broken up with his girlfriend,
3: yeah. So that was, that, that so, would yeah, a was so, yeah. He was just, that. uh,
1: he was letting the emotions flow yeah. on the stage through his music. So, uh, but it was good, it was good stuff. And, uh, hung out with a lot of old friends, and, uh, it was good seeing everybody, you know, and then saw some of them, obviously, you don't want to see them in the circumstance they did at a funeral, yeah. but, yeah. uh, yeah. Other than that, it was, uh, it was good stuff. And, uh, yeah, here I am back, man. It's good to be back behind the mic. I'll tell you yeah, that.
3: Absolutely. I get it's you. It's weird how much I missed it. You know, you talk about your escape and your yeah, your comfort
1: zone. And absolutely. Yeah. Like,
3: I can see it on your face right now. Just yep. happy to be, happy to be back in the chair. You
1: exactly. Know? And good to make that. I never thought I'd say it was good to make that ride to Nashua from <laughs> uh, from Arlington, yeah. Mass. But, yeah. uh. We did find out about Jamison Winston, and yeah. uh, Sully, you looked it up. He's he's cleared to go. Hey, uh, full uh, participation. Uh, I haven't seen anything. It's so Mar- our day? conclusion yeah. of them being <laughs> underdogs is that Vegas somehow thinks the Bears are better with Jay Cutler, <laughs> which the two of us completely <laughs> disagree not. with. And I don't know if they've watched the Bears. I mean, yeah, the Bears have lost, but they they had a couple upsets. Yeah. They play with more emotion. They They care. They care. <laughs> Then it's not always about Jay Cutler. It's about the team. Yeah. And the coach even went out and said, I'm done, I'm with, Jay done with Jay Cutler. So yeah. I don't understand how that Vegas can <laughs> read that and say it helps them. Yeah. He's just, I, I, I'm, I almost feel like they're going to purposely play bad. Yeah.
3: I just, I can't, I can't stand Jay Cutler. I can't, I'm I don't, d- I, his teammates can't either. I'm <laughs> done with him too. And I don't, I don't see where this hap- where this is coming from. James Winston, it says Monday was at practice with and no the boys in
1: Tampa, right? Yes. With no, this makes with, completely no sense.
3: With no brace, like it's not even like he's like, oh, he had a brace on, to, on, to, on on Monday. We need to get Mario back on for uh, his
1: analytics or his. Uh, I mean, because he told us about that other trade. With job. no yeah. brace,
3: what does that mean? That there's means he's something, healthy.
1: Ve- there's something Vegas <laughs> does not know. Uh, I mean, he does know that we don't know. Yeah, I don't, don't get it. Ridiculous. That's bizarre world. I'm sticking uh, with the bucks. I'm staying. I'm sticking with the bucks too.
3: I'm staying with it because if, if like you uh, said, I'd if Vegas's explanation for that spread is that Jay Cutler's playing, that's a problem to me. That, that should scream uh, the Bears aren't going to win. Like, Jay Cutler is a terrible quarterback. He's a cancer in the locker room. He's terrible on that team. Everybody in Chicago wants to get rid of him, and he's still there. That might be my pick of the week. <laughs> yeah, walk of the week right there.
1: Yeah, I, like, Buccaneers, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in on the box. Let's do it. So, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting game. A lot of good games on the boards, though. Like you were saying, 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock has two. It's always usually you're looking forward to the 4, 4 o'clock, o'clock unless right? your team's yeah. playing in one, you know?
3: Yeah. Usually well, the 1 o'clock is kind of the couple of the eh games. Yeah. The 4 o'clock has the up, but there's two in the four in the 1 o'clock. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a really good game. The Falcons and the Eagles, that's a good – that's just – that's a great matchup right there. That's an awesome matchup. The Falcons are kind of – they they showed a little signs of coming back, but after watching them last week, I feel like they're – in the right spot there they're in the right spot and they're i think this is finally the year where you can say the falcons aren't going to collapse i would like to i would like to be able to say that for once yeah and i think we talked about i talked about it on monday there we talked about mvp candidates and matt ryan is having an unreal year right now he's having an unreal year and i would hate for that to just go to waste and have them become the atlanta falcons again and just collapse i don't think this is the year where they just gotta they're just gonna pack it up and leave i think they're actually in it for the long haul and they're should be a contender in the playoffs.
1: Who who else you think uh, is MVP candidate? I mean, obviously Brady. We talked. That was the one. That was our one thing. Is you know we looked at. But he's only you know played so many games. He
3: only played four games, and even still, he's thrown zero interceptions. He's thrown zero interceptions. And he's come back and just lit it up. You know, I. It took me a while to think of anybody other than Matt Ryan and Tom Brady for MVP. Derek Carr, maybe. He's having a, a fantastic year himself, but again, he's. He's having to do everything there, and I'm not sure if he can keep it up. I'm not sure if he can keep it up. He's having to score so many points they might lose some games down the stretch if they face a team with any sort of defense here and yeah, they did it against the Broncos. I know that, but that that can only happen for so long. You know that can only happen for so long and yeah, he's in the conversation, but right now if if Brady looks and continues to look this good at his age, I said it on Tuesday. He's getting, he's getting shiftier. He's getting better. He's getting more athletic. I don't, I've never seen anybody at the age he's at become more athletic and more mobile. Like, I don't, I don't understand how he's completely defying logic here. He's completely defying everything. How do you get more mobile at his age? There's a couple plays in the last game, not obviously bye week, but before, week before that, he scrambled out of the pocket and got a first down running. When have you ever really seen him do that and look good doing it? You know, I just, I don't, I don't see anybody other than Tom Brady right now unless he falls off a cliff. He should, he should be in conversations, even without playing the first four games. He
1: should be in the conversation. Being married to Giselle can keep you young. <laughs> it can, my friend. It has,
3: to, it has to be. That and the avocado ice cream. Those are the only two things I can think of. <laughs> it has to be those two things. There's no other explanation for it.
1: What about, I mean, what about Elliot? He's or in or there. Prescott. He's in there.
3: He's in there, and and I think that they won't get it because they're rookies. Yes, but. I think that I think what they've done is they've made a statement. They've made a statement, and they and finally Jerry Jones has decided. You know, he said it publicly, but you never know with him. You never know what what he's really thinking. But they've made a statement. They've made a statement. They've showed that they're legit players, and that team has some sort of a. a a future going forward. I felt like for a while we were always saying, "Oh, the Cowboys." It was kind of a punchline for a little bit. Now they have legitimate players, and Tony Romo obviously has been a punchline in the playoffs for a while now. They have legitimate players. They have a legitimate team, and they're playing well right now. And mm. I would hate for now. It's starting to ramp up now that Tony Romo's throwing and he's back and he's kind of weeding his way back into it. If they go to Tony Romo, that would be the worst decision I have ever seen with yeah. with a team rolling like they are with Prescott and Elliott. Taking that team and just lifting them up the way they are to throw Romo back in, that would be a, a colossal, mis- it's a, colossal it's mistake. Happen. If Jerry Jones, if Jerry Jones actually does that, that would he be a be colossal that. mistake. He cannot be that. Right? You say that, but then you think, a lot, then you think about it. You, you know, he's done some stupid things before. You've done some really stupid. But this Aye. would be, this would be at the top of the cake for me. I just—they're rolling right now. Don't mess with it. And well, it's a good story too. You know? Yeah. It's good to have them back and relevant again. That's something that. You can't you can't mess this up. You just can't mess this yeah. up for them.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on that. Well, we're going to switch gears in our next segment. We're going to talk some hockey and Get I didn't even talk. realize this. Did you know that uh Pastner scored in five straight games? I didn't know five straight games. I know he got up to I know he's getting a I, great start. I know he right? you know, had a great start. Yeah. He's having a good start. He's so got He a, gets a goal tonight. A that's goals. six straight. That's pretty good. the last uh, Bruin to do that was. Power
3: play coming off the Schneid, too. That's another one. That was a big one for me. Seeing yeah. the power play scores. Yes. The way they moved it there. That, yes, they, when they he got, we were gifted a lot of penalties there, yeah. but they're, they're capitalizing. Yeah, once, that goal by finally. him on a PP. Oh, yeah. Yes. Classic. That was a nice one. You know what that, nice know what that looked like? And it, it's going to hurt me to say it. It looked like young Sagan. It looked like Sagan. That was the play. That's yeah. what they had. They, yeah. Right from that dot there in Snipes, I mean...
1: Yeah. They had that Price going. Price had no chance. I'm looking at it again right now. Price had no chance on <laughs> no that. No shot. Exactly. When they move the puck well like that. And that's the only way you beat a guy like that. Of well course. listen, We'll talk about the Bruins and the Blue Jackets for the next two segments. We're going to start things off Get looking the at the Blue Jackets side of the ice as we bring in Aaron Portsline, a Columbus Post-Dispatch. He'll join us to start off the final hour of the stretch run here on a Thursday on ESPN New Hampshire. So stay with us. We'll be back.